Hello, friends. Welcome again to another episode of the Potluck Podcast. I am Jared Cornut, one third of the Potluck Podcast, joined by another third, Matt Hensley. And it's just he and I today, as the Reverend Alan Murray has uh, got a lot on his plate. Uh, Matt, how are you doing out there in New Mexico? I'm doing really good because I'm about to leave. Uh, so this <laughs> this will likely go live on the 16th. Uh, I will be preaching that Sunday, uh, actually on the Great Commission. We we have finished our studies of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Uh, so I'm going to do kind of, you know, just break it up a little bit because after that we're going to do James. And so I'm going to do... Uh, a, a message on the Great Commission, and then I am not going to say bye to anybody. I'm just going to jump in the car. Rebecca's already going to have it running, and we're going to drive as fast as we can to Grand Prairie, uh, where I will stay the night, and then we are going to hit the road in the morning to Tallahassee, hoping to hang out with uh, Josh Revis and Dean and Sarah that night. And then the next morning, we'll make the rest of the leg into Orlando, where we will worship at the altar of Mickey uh, for a couple of days and then make the return trip. And uh, I am excited about seeing Dean and Josh, if that works out, or Clint Ellis. We've talked about getting together with him. He's in Tallahassee. Uh, But I'm also excited because on the way in Clinton, Mississippi, is my longtime friend and mentor, and former youth pastor. He, uh, when I was a high schooler, he was my youth pastor at First Baptist Church Grand Prairie. Now he is at First Baptist Church Clinton. And if I remember correctly, he has finally, after like, I don't know, 40 years of youth ministry, he's moved up. And uh, he's not the pastor, though. I think he is the administrative pastor or maybe the education minister. Uh, but either way, He's a great dude, and uh, we're going to hang out, I think, for lunch on the way. And, uh, yeah, I am looking forward to it because I really haven't had a vacation since before COVID, which was about 10 years ago. So I'm pretty excited about that. How, how are the Cornuts? Oh, man, we're doing spectacular. We are going on vacation as well here. Uh, right when this goes live, actually, we're going down to uh, Corpus Christi, Padre Island, and going to spend a few days in there with a the family from our church. Um, and just vacation, relax, and not think about anything. Uh, I turned in a, another chapter of my dissertation this week, and so nothing more um, frightening and freeing than sending that to your readers for the impending red ink that is coming your way. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to touch on that in just a second, but I also have a funny story to make everybody think less of me. When I was in high school, we had our band trip to South Padre. I had just turned 18 and I went to a tattoo shop and I had about 20 bucks. That was all I still had because of course, you know, teens and money doesn't really go very well. And I had 20 bucks left and I walked into that tattoo shop and I said, what can I get for $20? And that dude was like, I can't do nothing for 20 bucks. I was like, please, you know, because I thought I would be like the cool hip, you know, high school or whatever. And so he gave me a fish that is about two inches wide. You know, like the fish is on your car, uh, about two inches wide, but about the width or whatever of your, like a pen. Like basically just threw the little fish and that was it for 20 bucks. 
And uh, I, I wasn't nearly as cool as I thought I would be with all of my friends. And then I got in a whole lot of trouble with my mom when I got home. Oh, that. she was not happy about that at all. Now, you, uh, so this is going live before my defense. So I'm not even about to say that I was successful or unsuccessful in it. <laughs> But man, I know exactly what you're talking about, those chapters. Oh, and man. part of it is like you're glad because it's over. But you know that the work is only about a quarter done because yeah. they send back everything else. And it's like every change you make is going to move something down. Then you've got widows and orphans to deal with or, you know, mm. a footnote that you worked on messes up or something like that. You know, mine throughout my paper was referencing other things in the appendix. And so if somebody cut a lot from my paper or made me rephrase something that moved something down, then suddenly that page 189 became 190. And so I'd have to go through and I just kept having to check those over and over. And uh, so I know exactly what you're talking about. And I think we called that the dissertation cul-de-sac. You're at the point where you just go in circles, man. You just toss off the next chapter. They cover it in the blood of Jesus and you fix it and you send it back. And they find more stuff amazingly. Yep. And then you do it again. You just do it over and over and over again until you finally just quit and become an atheist. That's really what I think <laughs> they want. But somehow you persevere because of the perseverance of the saints and it works out and you become Dr. Cornut. Uh, there's been many times where I thought, Jerry Cornut MDiv really isn't all that bad uh, along the process. But yeah, man. It's uh, you know how it is. It, it yeah. is what it is. You start working on chapter two, they send you all the red ink or, or chapter three or chapter four, wherever you're at. And uh, it's like, well, now I can't finish this chapter. got to fix this. Yeah. Uh, unlike you. My ahead. personality is one where I have to finish something. So if, if like I, I would just wait. Uh, and I learned that the hard way after chapters one and two, I just decided to wait until I got the edits back. Because if I started chapter three, I was going to finish it. But then I mm -hmm. needed to get this number two done and fixed and sent back to the editor and all that kind of stuff to, to stay on our little schedule. So I just started at that point where I just waited. And I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not even going to look at the next thing. I'm going to drink coffee and just enjoy the retirement life for a moment <laughs> until this nonsense comes back and I can continue it. But dude, I'm happy for you going down to Corpus Christi. You're going to get to uh, at least check out Whataburger Field down there, the Hooks. Uh, we'll see. I, I, I don't, they won't be having games yet, but maybe we could do like one of those $15 like tours of the stadium. I'd be totally down to do that. You know, unlike you, we, uh, we're making one stop, uh, on the way down. It's about six hours from Dallas. We'll stop at Bucky's outside Waco and then we're not stopping again. I'm unashamedly Andrew William. Here's the iPad. If that will keep you content, we're yep. not stopping this truck again. Dude. So we, I, I'm a little OCD. I know you, that surprises you. And I have our trip planned out on uh, Microsoft Excel where we have every <laughs> exit we're going to take for like a stop for either coffee or gas. You know, like I know what our mileage is. I know how many gallons of fuel we're going to put in. I've got little formulas in there. Everything works out because we always come back under budget. Every single year I've done it, we come back under budget. But it means that on the way dad's in charge. Now, you know, once we're there, it's just let's have fun. But on the way, my goal is to get there as quick as humanly possible. So if you have to go to the bathroom, I will kill you. 
because <laughs> you ruined the whole thing and the vacation's over no i'm just kidding it's not That's that bad with diapers, but uh, but yeah yeah put everybody in the pens man we're good to go <laughs> but yeah i've got like the exit so that we can exit on the right to a gas station, usually like a Love's or something like that, that's yep. also going to have a Subway. And I'm even kind enough to vary it. I look and see if it's got a McDonald's or a you know an Arby's or something. So we balance it out and kind of mix it up a little bit because I'm kind and loving like that. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it is. We will stop almost as many times as you do. Um, but <laughs> by the end of it, just because <laughs> of how how far we go in one little deal. But oh, no. uh, I I saw so. One of the things that we try to cover is Baptist news. Yeah. And uh, one one problem with maybe pre-recording some of this kind of stuff is there might be some Baptist news to come over the next three weeks when some of us are going to be out of pocket. But right now, like I was like, this would be great. I sign on to Baptist Press and I'm thinking we'll have a few things we can at least discuss. And there's nothing. <laughs> and so they had some great articles, wonderful articles. But I was like, yeah, that's not it's not really something we we need to get into. Uh, so we can slide comes a in bit. chunks all at one time. Yeah, but not like it's like everything comes at once, and then there's nothing. But no, we for sure we do have a couple of things uh, over at the URLC. Uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce this uh, Supreme Court case, but it was a win for religious liberty. We can put the link in the show notes. Uh, the ERLC did a amicus brief for this. Basically, a young man was uh, practicing free speech in a free speech zone on his campus, which. The idea of free speech zone on campus shouldn't all of campus be free speech? I don't know, uh, but that's kind of what I think. But yeah, you know, basically the school tried to shut him down, and he filed a lawsuit against the school. Always, I'm not sure if that's the wisest thing to do, but he did that. Uh, we'll see what his grades look like at the end of the semester. Uh, but in the eight to one ruling, and it was very interesting that Justice Roberts was the dissenting vote. But in the eight to one ruling, in defense of religious liberty, this young man won his court case, and. Um, yeah, it's a huge win. Thank you for the ERLC for doing the amicus brief and helping out with that. This is why we have the ERLC. They they help us with religious liberty, and uh, it's nice to see religious liberty get a win because it seems like recently it's been a lot of losses. Am I right? It, for sure, and and we also see a win that was kind of across what we would call not denominational lines, <laughs> political, maybe denominational lines. I don't know what all they believe, but political lines. You know, demon lines. Yeah. You, you've got some liberals and, and conservatives on either side and, and some kind of middle of the road guys. And and uh, to see that there's kind of a broad coalition there to to at least stand for it in this case. Uh, but you said you're not going to try and pronounce it. I I think for our listeners, we should give it a shot. Why don't you try and pronounce both of those names? You first. No. <laughs> you first. I put you on the spot. All right. So we got... Uh, here's the bad thing. I, I'm already really bad with pronouncing things that I don't know. I do the whole Old Testament thing. You say it fast and confident, nobody will ever question you. Mm-hmm. So I, that's what I'm gonna do right here. So we got Uzig uh, Bunum uh, versus uh, uh, Pregzuski. Pregzuski. I'm know. going to say that's pretty close. And I do the same thing. You know, we talked last week on the whole funeral thing, where <laughs> maybe you want to read over beforehand, like what we should have done is practice what we preached and read over this before, or at least find like, you know, that's what we needed from the ERLC was like an explainer. You know, they do those explainers for us. We just need yeah. an explainer on how to pronounce it. But I'm going to say, Uzwigbanum. 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 That's that's my goal for number one in Pregzuski. 
for number two. Yeah, you, that sounds good. I think you're pretty close. You just got to own it. You like, like you said, with the Old Testament, you just own it and just roll with it. Your people don't have a clue. Yeah. And I, I've been this entire time, uh, be, because I listened to one sermon, I think it might have been Alistair Begg, uh, that was in first or, or one of the Johns or whatever. And he said Gaius. And so I've been, I've been just rolling with it. And then I've listened to several other sermons since, and it's Gaius. And as I've heard several right other do it, and, but at this point, man, I'm just rolling with it. And uh, once you get past that first day and everybody's kind of snickering when you say the word anyway, like I'm just going to roll with it at this point. But yes, like you said, neat things coming out of the ERLC. They're, they're working on, on behalf of the Coates case that we see in Canada we see this one where they are involved. And of course, this isn't all they do. Uh, they also are working to get uh, the uh, doohickey things, whatever you call those things that go ultrasound over the babies, the ultrasound ma machines out there. And uh, so they're doing a lot of great work. And uh, so Maybe there's things that we disagree that. with at times that they do or say, things that we agree with. And, uh, and I think that's one of those things where when it's something we can get behind and be excited, praise the Lord. If it's something we can disagree with, Think about it, consider it a little bit, and chalk it up to we can agree to disagree. And uh, but but exciting. Uh, Speaking of, of agreeing to disagree, uh, do we have money in the Potluck Podcast budget to get an intern? Because I feel like that would go a long way with pronunciations and uh, just get some people to read this stuff for us, then yeah. just give us the, the details. I mean, like you know, the uh, Do Dr. Moeller has his people that will get like the different magazines that come in every day or the different newspaper newspapers yeah, we'll that come in right. and mark some things that he is going to want to at least consider. That's what we need. So we'll work on that. We'll, we'll get each of us an intern that is just for the Potluck podcast. Find us something <laughs> to talk about. Uh, so, so yeah. And we will, we will be coming back the week of Easter. And uh, that is probably, well, it is my favorite holiday. I like Halloween uh, because I do like, you know, the candy that my girls mm -hmm. get and I steal. Uh, that is that, one of my favorite things in the universe. I don't really like Thanksgiving and Christmas uh, just because of the stress of family and some of that kind of stuff. Uh, but I do enjoy Easter. Like, I love the fact that every, every Sunday you and I, we preach the resurrection hope that we have in, mm -hmm. in Christ. Uh, but I, I love the fact that you're going to have guests there. You know, people usually are dressed up a little more. You've got like the pastel colors out there. Like it's just a little, it, it just seems a little different. So we celebrate it 365 days a year. But I love the fact that we get to come together on Easter. And, and there's that expectation that it's going to be all like the spotlight is on the resurrection in the empty tomb. And, uh, and I love it. But with that, is a Southern Baptist topic, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah, the Annie Armstrong annual Easter offering. Listen to these numbers, Matt. Now, this is the United States, Canada, Puerto Rico, Virgin Islands, Guam, uh, America, Samoa. New Mexico. 366 million people. What did I say? I, I added New Mexico. Since you were adding oh, you all added... the other countries, I added New Mexico. <laughs> That's true. That is a foreign country. Uh, God bless you. 366 million people uh, in all these places. And we estimate the ANR, uh, the North American Mission Board estimates 275 million of them are lost, and that's probably probably a pretty conservative uh, guess if I ha if I had to bet. 350 languages, 2,000 plus missionaries, 
And so, you know, we make a big deal out of Lottie Moon, and we certainly should. But here's the neat thing. And this is what I tell my people. We live in Irving, Texas. 75061 is our zip code. It is the most diverse zip code in North America. 25% Hispanic, 25% white, 25% African American, 25% Asian. Massive Indian American population. We had a family come visit our church from the Congo this past Sunday. They're looking to maybe uh, join, uh, visit with us for a little while. Uh, the nation's we don't only have to go to the nations and we, we certainly should in many places, the nations have come to us. Uh, and so we have the opportunity to do that. So what does your church do at Mayhill Baptist? What do you do to make a big deal out of the Andy Armstrong Easter offering to give the North American mission? Board? Absolutely nothing. We don't support it. We don't support the great commission. No. Uh, so our big thing of course is the week of prayer uh, that we, we kick it off with. Um, we usually will show that first video that's kind of the theme video to sort of set the stage for it. Um, and then we will show the videos, of course. And, and then usually, especially during that month or, or those weeks, I will try and highlight certain times where, like you just mentioned, where the, the nations are here, too. Um, I've told a story, I think, last year of a student I had in my youth group that just came just broken that was feeling led to to go to China and as a missionary and all of this kind of stuff she had heard whatever it was and and just really felt led to go now and she's 15 <laughs> in high school and with no ability at this point you know their whole family is not necessarily going to move over there just for for this you know that kind of deal and so I just challenged her I said why don't you begin now reaching and, and being a missionary in your very lost school system and then you jump out of you know high school and into college or or whatever it might be from there and you've already prepared it and so you know there's there's always talks about you know we need to do a mission trip over to africa or a mission trip here or, you know these one week little mission trips that we we like to do uh and they're fine you know i know there's some pushback on on those doing more harm than good that kind of deal but I think it also whets the appetite for people to to have that kind of global sense of our call as Christians. But we also have to realize our faithfulness requires our uh, faithfulness to make disciples on Monday, on Tuesday, when we're at Walmart picking up groceries, when we're picking up our mail, all of that kind of stuff. So I try to put that in there, too, that we have a very missions minded church in terms of missionaries uh, with those that we support directly. And then, of course, through uh, Lottie Moon, but also we we've, we've tried to bring in some church plants too, so that they have somebody that they know. So I can say, you know, this Andy Armstrong, yes, this money is going to Alaska, this is going to Canada, this is going to Puerto we Puerto Rico, but it's also going up the road to Roswell in this church plant that we're serving, and uh, and so when they see that it also hits here too, there's a there's a deeper connection there. So we just try to put that in front of them as much as we can. Put the you know the prayer guides on the pews, the offering envelopes, and uh, and and our folks really step up and step out during that time. Uh, now, with that, you know the, I've only been with you guys now for a few weeks now, so I don't know if y'all have talked about this before. Um, but one of the struggles we've had when I first came was whatever emphasis we had. So in our state or in our church, we would have Mission New Mexico, which is our state convention offering, special offering. Uh, we would have Lottie Moon, of course, and Annie Armstrong. And every single time, whatever we set it at, 2,000, 3,000, whatever, we would meet it every single time, which is great. 
we would miss our budget by that amount every single time. And uh, while, you know, our needs were still being met, not a big, huge deal. It's like you look back at the end of the year and you're like, yay, we sent out $8,000. Hey, we just so happened to be $8,000 and one penny short of our budget this year. And I'm like, so last year, I believe it was last year. I don't know if you remember this or not, but last year I did this big uh, push where if we met Lottie and met our budget at the end of the end of the year, I was going to shave. And most of my church, I mean, I'm in the mountains, so they don't care about the beard. Uh, but I do got some little old ladies that were glad to see that thing gone. And so they gave and we doubled our budget for the month, which made us meet our budget for the year uh, by, I think we missed it by like 80 bucks. It was so crazy how close we got. And we doubled our Lottie giving. And uh, and so it was just one of those things that, you know, and, and I was interviewed about it, I think either Baptist Press or, or our state paper, one of those. And uh, and they asked about, you know, why, why do it? And I said, well, it's not just because we were missing our budget. It's to see these people excited about giving and, and realizing that we we are very blessed here in America. Even the poorest of us are very blessed compared to around the globe. And uh, and so we when we try and get financially healthy or we try to get out of debt, things like that. It's not just so we have a great nest egg and can retire and collect seashells like John Piper talks about. It's ultimately so we can be generous and be a blessing to others. And so our people really have captured that vision. And uh, and so we're in the middle right now of, of, well, we just kicked off Annie. When this goes live, we will have two weeks of Annie behind us. And uh, at, at least based on the first two weeks, uh, it's trending in the right direction in terms of meeting both. And uh, and so we just put it in front of them and, and put some faces with it. Uh, and I, I know we've talked about this before where when somebody knows that missionary or that church plan or something, usually they are very quick to open up their pocketbooks when they don't know. And, and it's like, hey, we need to give more to the cooperative program. Great. Yay. You know, whoop to do. What does that mean? Well, when I come back from the SBC meeting, I can say, well, that or when I come back from graduating, you made it possible for me to actually afford to be able to do it. Or, you know, we put that church plan or when you give here, that is what makes this kind of stuff possible. Because as you said, we've got 366 million people in the population, 275 million that are lost. In our town, it's nine out of 10 are lost. And so that's that's really the, the scope of what we're facing. And if we only have a little over 2000 missionaries, <laughs> I can't do the math in my head, but that's a lot of people they have to reach. <laughs> and so, you know, there's clearly a need. And so if you put the people in front of them and what they're accomplishing, they can get excited, get behind it, and know that their dollar is actually going to serve those needs. You know, we try to get our people to live intentionally for our family. Our oldest is a doctor from India, so we try to go to Indian festivals, and we're going to sign our son up to play cricket and things like that. But we try to remember, remind our people, it's also your neighbors and your coworkers. I mean, they're lost, and, and they're in need of the gospel. I, I remind our people, when you pull out of your driveway every Sunday, notice the cars staying at home. And then when you come back home from church, those cars haven't moved. Uh, those people, they're not going to church. And so, you know, we do things a little different at Plymouth Park. We show the videos, but we actually do a Plymouth Park missions offering all year. So our goal this year is like $85,000. And a certain percentage goes to Lottie Moon, a certain percentage goes to uh, Annie Armstrong, uh, then Plymouth Park missions, and then the state offering as well. 
And it, it seems to work out really well for us. We usually make that uh, goal and it keeps us in the top of, you know, I got a letter that we were in the top giving churches to Andy Armstrong and Lottie Moon from Texas. And so, you know, we're not the biggest church. We don't have the biggest budget or anything like that, but we certainly have a very generous church. I know uh, last year we were able to give a lot to Southern Baptist causes because of that. So we just try to help our people remind those things. Our youth next week are doing a local mission trip. So they're going to the pregnancy center. They're going to a refugee uh, place where they're helping refugees in Fort Worth. And I, I get it. You don't live perhaps in a Dallas metro area where you can't do the things that we do. But you can find stuff to serve people and really highlight Andy Armstrong. Yeah. And, and you mentioned kind of the year-long deal. Uh, you know, churches do different things, yeah. and and which is great. You know, in, and in one sense, you can kind of learn. And one of the things that I try and share with our folks is we'll try anything once. I mean, we'll give it a shot. As long as it's you know, ethical, all that kind of stuff, we'll we'll give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, we don't do it again, you know, or, or adapt it a little bit. But you know, you talk about year long. There's there's a church near you that I served, uh, Inglewood Baptist in Grand Prairie. They do a missions month, and uh, so the sermons that month usually they bring in. I think typically a missionary, a, uh, a church planter, uh, usually a Bible translator, somebody along those lines. Like kind of each of the missions yeah. things, and, and if they can get somebody that they actually support, they'll come in. Uh, I actually got to preach at one of those, not because I was necessarily one that was. Uh, being supported uh, beyond like the cooperative program and their generosity on the seminary side. Uh, but what they do is really challenge them above your, your tie, that kind of thing, uh, give, give generously. And then they split those based on a couple of church plants and a couple of missionaries, a couple of mission trips that they plan to take each year. And then of course, Annie and Lottie and that kind of thing. And so there's a lot of different ways to pull it off. But I think one of the key is for your people to actually know like because they can be excited about it because it's not just our our church it's not just my knuckleheaded pastor uh you know Jared Cornut there's more to this than than just here and I can be a part of something far more global uh because I'm linking arms with my my Baptist brothers and sisters all across the globe uh to to do what we're called to do the propagation of the gospel and Annie goes a long way to do that we're partnering with a church in Montana North Bear Commission Board Church Plant we're gonna start sending teams up there and that's one of the things we're going to highlight. Their wins, hey, when you give to Andy Armstrong, you're giving to churches just like this, not only in Montana, but in our sin cities and places like that. I love that what you just said about Inglewood. I served a church in North Carolina where we had World Missions Offering Day, and everything that was given, every penny that was given that Sunday went to World Missions. So they went to Andy Armstrong, Lottie Moon, all that. And I know the last year I was there, the offering that Sunday was $175,000. And so, hey, you know, whatever it takes for your church, you, pastors, you know your churches. If you need to do the emphasis during the time, do that. Year long, do that. Uh, what I would just really implore you to do is to support the North American Mission Board and the Andy Armstrong Easter offering. We're planning churches, and we're not only planting churches, these churches are surviving. Uh, you know, five years later, they're still they're self, uh, uh, self-reliant. They're, they're existing on their own. And so let's support that. And I love, before you, before you move to our Southern topic, I love what in, in Kevin's theme video this year, he, he really addressed kind of the COVID challenges, uh, mm-hmm. but that didn't stop them planning churches. And, and I loved his line that it said, when the, when the world says stop, God still says go. Mm-hmm. And, and I love the fact that, you know, the making disciples, planting churches, going out on mission, all of that kind of stuff. It changed with COVID-19, but it certainly didn't thwart the mission of God. 
And uh, so we're still here, still planting churches, still doing all of that. And uh, and I loved that reminder that the world might have said, stop, shut down, close down, get in your homes, all of that kind of stuff. But God still says, go and make disciples. And uh, and I loved it. it. I mean, we had some like actual amens from our people. I never know if they're really watching the videos, but it's like, yeah, they got <laughs> that one. So that's awesome. Well, Matt, uh, you're from Texas, kind of at least. And I, I live in Texas now. And Texans love their chili. And our church, uh, in January, we have an annual chili cook-off. All the men, all the deacons bring their homemade chili, and you put money in uh, the bowl in front of the best chili you think there is there. You get a sample at all, and that money goes to help support our youth and some of the stuff that they do throughout the year. And the big debate always is beans or no beans in your chili. So what are you? Are you beans or no beans in your chili? I don't need any help on a certain thing that beans accomplish <laughs> and so my answer is no beans at all i don't really like beans anyway i like that to be very meaty i like a lot of meat in my chili i don't like it to be very wet I like it to be nice and thick i want there to be like the the bowl when you're done just to have kind of that orange or brown just kind of layer on it that you could sit there and lick for hours and finally get it clean. That's what I want in a chili. I don't want beans. I want it to be nice and thick, nice and chilly, and nice and thick and uh, and chunky. And then I want it to be hot. And uh, I got in a little trouble here because I prefer very hot. And I made it a little too hot and didn't put a whole lot of warning. I just put spicy. And uh, had a few people take a big old bite of that thing. And uh, they were struggling. So I like hot. I don't like beans. I like thick and nice and meaty. So let me, I want to give you my chili recipe. And okay. it's not original to me. This is one that I, I found that I like that I make. You tell me if you would eat this chili. So what I put in it is two pounds of ground meat, usually beef, but if I can get some venison, I'll, I'll use that. One pound of hot breakfast sausage, one pound of chuck roast, three medium red onions chopped, one head of garlic minced, uh, two 28-ounce uh, cans of crushed tomatoes with juice, one 28-ounce Italian-style diced tomatoes with juice, one 7-ounce can of chipotle, uh, of, of chipotles and the sauce all chopped up, uh, and then I'll add six teaspoons or tablespoons of what's called Meat Church Texas Chili Seasoning. I really like that. And then I garnish it with shredded cheese, jalapenos, and chopped white onions. I would eat so many bowls of that, I would die. That okay. That's that sounds so good, man. That sounds so, really good. Typically, I, I would tell our listeners, hey, we're going to do a Twitter poll, and you tell us uh, if you do beans or no beans in your chili, but we're, we're currently locked out of our Twitter. Yeah, way so, to go. That's what you get for retweeting like fake news, man. I know. You know that but, uh, yeah, so I, we're a little simpler. I get like that. I think it's like the Texas – two alarm or something like chili pack or whatever. I, I usually buy that. That's pretty much all that goes in it in terms of just the main stuff. I do whatever it calls for, like the tomato paste or whatever. Mm -hmm. I might throw in a little, you know, spicy rotel or whatever with it. Uh, but then I will dump a ungodly amount of Carolina Reaper peppers and all of that kind of stuff. And so I will also usually throw in uh, some beer. And when I lived with my mom, who is also a teetotaler or whatever, like I go out and I said, hey, you know, this was back when Grand Prairie was dry and mm -hmm. uh, I needed to go to Arlington 
to pick up some beer and she's like just make sure nobody sees you like i, I don't want that. anybody I'll put beer in mine as well my yep, son's yep. an alcohol yeah so so yeah i uh i i'm not a i'm not a bean guy uh much much really at all but certainly not in chile I just go across the street to my neighbor and say, "Hey, can I have a can I have a beer?" Because he's always got some to put in my chili. Oh, you making chili tonight? Yeah, I'm making chili. So that way, I, I don't want to my church member at Kroger going, "Oh, what's in that six pack there?" Uh, hide it true. under hide it under the bread or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, hey friends, let us know: do you do beans or no beans in your chili? When you listen to this one, we'd love to find out. Matt, always a pleasure uh, talking Baptist life with you and chili and all those types of things. So, friends, we invite you to join us next time at the potluck with chili or no chili, beans or no beans, whatever you want to bring. Same Baptist time, same Baptist hour. Stay Baptist, my friends.